So I want you to notice a couple of things. Well, notice them loudly. But I want you to notice a couple of things, all right? First thing I want you to notice, you might not spend a lot of time reading through those first 16 verses. Uh, And if you can't pronounce all those names, you fail Bible trivia for the night. And so now that we've all failed and we get to move forward, I, I do, I want you to notice a couple of things. First, all of them, all of them looked forward, anticipating, longing for the advent of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah. It all pointed to him, all of it, from Abraham to King David, in and out of captivity, all of it leading up to Christ. And so for us who's gone through the Bible 2020, that needs to just be burned in our mind as we look ahead to the next month. The second thing I want you to notice is the very fact that we're in Matthew chapter one is a season of transition for us as a church. We have spent the last year reading through the Bible, covering it with this this holistic overview as we've read from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And we're in a new season. And you know, I asked Jennifer Lauren behind the message a few weeks ago. I said, Jennifer, what's your favorite season? And she said, all of them. She goes, I lived in a desert for a decade. I like them all. And I've been thinking about that. That was such a profound statement, really, just kind of hidden in what she was talking about, just in her experience. Seasons are really good for us. They help us transition. They bring, just, I don't know, they break us of our routine and they bring a renewed focus. They kind of help us reset. And if there was ever a time where we really needed to reset, let's just say right now would be a pretty good one. It's not been the best season looking back. We want to look ahead. And as we do, we've got a, a new season on the horizon. Let me give you an example how I know. How many of you guys have already started decorating for Christmas? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Okay, I see those hands. All right. Now I want to ask one more question. How many of you started before Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. That, that's borderline sinful. I'm a pastor, I have to tell the truth, right? No, anyway, you get it. We're in this cool season, it's a transition. We're coming into Christmas and things are different and we're looking ahead and it's just a point of transition and it is for our church as well. And so as we look ahead into the month of December and into 2021, as a church, we're going to be reading through the book of Matthew, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, throughout the entire year. Now that really won't kick off in full until January with chapter three. But what we're going to do this month is kind of parallel our normal routine of Advent with these first two chapters of Matthew. And so you're gonna be able to have all kinds of resources around you as a church. There's a reading plan. They're available online and at the back. Grab one if you want a physical copy on your way out or tcbchurch.org advent. But jump in that reading plan as a family and look, set your mind, your heart to looking forward to the advent of Jesus. The second great resource for us, the FDP, that family discipleship plan for our family, sets aside this month to focus on Advent as well. And all this is going to kind of walk alongside of those first two 
chapters of Matthew. So I just want to kind of encourage you to lean in, look at that, some great resources. And there's a lot to pack into tonight. Uh, there's a lot to pack into today. And so we're just going to jump right in. We're going to do a few things. First, in this pivot, we want to pray. I want to just set aside some time for us to pray. God, do a work in us. Help us see past all of our distractions. Help us refocus and reset our mind on the coming of your son, Jesus. Second, we want to give thanks. We want to give thanks. God is doing a work in us. He has been doing a work in us. And every good gift that we have in 2020 has been an intentional gift given to us by the Father. And so we want to thank him. And so in a minute, we're going to have our uh, uh, lead pastors come up with me, and we're going to walk through an elder conversation. We're just going to highlight a few of the things in 2020 that God did in the life of our church. And then third, we want to purpose ourselves to look forward to the advent of Jesus, to seize the next few weeks, the next four weeks, to turn our attention and our gaze to him. But before we pray, I want to kind of answer, I think, an important question. And I want to frame it around truth and not just tradition. Why do we celebrate Advent or Christmas? Why do we celebrate Advent or Christmas? Last year, Americans spent over $1 trillion on Christmas. The average American spent over 15 hours shopping for presents and in eternity decorating. By the way, you can tell I'm not a, I'm not a big Christmas decoration guy. I just like, it's like, oh, anyway, it's not my thing. But we really do. We celebrate Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas? I want to I want, to, I want to go back and just unpack that for us, and I want to give you an example first. Imagine with me Pastor Paul decided that Tri-Cities Baptist Church was no longer going to celebrate Christmas. No poinsettias, no nativity scenes, no Christmas Eve services, no Christmas tree or Christmas lights, no celebration of Christmas. How do you think people would respond well, I can imagine some would be a little perplexed at least, right? Uh, I would, but you know, I've kind of always known Paul was a bit of a Scrooge, so maybe not too much. No, I think there'd be some people that were upset. They might even question if Tri-Cities could be the church for them. After all, a church that would not celebrate Christmas, I don't know if that's a God-honoring church at all. I hold this out for you because I want you to catch something. And it's important. The Bible does not mandate the celebration of Christmas. It doesn't. It's nowhere in Scripture. It's not described or prescribed. It's a Christian liberty. It's a freedom. And I kind of hold this example out to you to expose the temptation to exalt our culture and our traditions and our Christian liberties over biblical directives. See, nowhere in Scripture is Christmas commanded in any way or at all. Neither is it forbidden for us to celebrate it. 
So whether the culture demands Santa Claus and Christmas lights or Christmas Eve services and nativity scenes, the Bible commands none of it. None of it. It's not there. The fact is the early church didn't celebrate Christmas at all. It didn't happen for hundreds of years later. So all of us who would pick up our rocks and stone poor Paul, we need to realize we would be stoning those very first churches, the first church in Jerusalem and Antioch and all the churches that you would read about in the New Testament because they didn't celebrate Christmas either. See, regardless how our culturally shaped intuition would have us feel about celebrating Christmas, it's not a biblical directive. It's a Christian liberty. And for this reason, during the Reformation, many pastors and leaders who for the first time got their hands on God's word rejected the celebration of Christmas. Because in their history, they had always had the Catholic Church tell them what to do. They were kind of the middlemen, if you will, between the word of God and what God said to them. And once they actually got the Bible, they began to look out and they say, you know what? A lot of this stuff you've had us do isn't in the scriptures. These are just your traditions. And so they took aim at the big ones, the priesthood of believers, infant baptism, and these types of things. But Every year around December, Christmas found itself in the crosshairs. One of my favorite quotes is from Spurgeon. As he preached a Christmas service, he said, We have no superstitious regard for times and seasons. Certainly we do not hold belief in the present ecclesiastical arrangement called Christmas. We find no scriptural warrant whatever ever for observing any day as the birthday of the Savior. And consequently, its observance is superstitious because not of divine authority. But he understood freedom as well. And so he went on and he said, nevertheless, since the current of men's thought is led this way just now, I see no evil in the current itself. I shall launch the bark of our discourse upon that stream by endeavoring to lead your thoughts in the same direction since it is lawful and even commendable to meditate upon the incarnation of the Lord upon any day in the year. It cannot be in the power of other men's superstitions to render such a meditation improper for today. Regarding not the day, let us, nevertheless, give God thanks for the gift of his dear son. So why Advent? If it's not a biblical directive, why Advent? Not because of our made-up programs or our holidays or our traditions, but rather because it is good it is good to set our meditations on the Son of God, to set our gaze upon the advent of Jesus, his coming. See, it encourages and empowers us. It leads us to repentance and growth. It focuses us. It resets us. See, advent just means coming. 
And traditionally, we celebrate Advent in the four weeks that lead up to Christmas. It's a program. It's a strategy. It's a resource. But at the heart of it is something incredibly powerful that you and I might turn our attention to the coming of the one true king. Both in his first coming, that all those prophets and kings and people of the Old Testament looked to, and his second coming, that all the apostles proclaimed and charged us as his ambassadors to preach. See, we begin Advent, we celebrate Advent by turning our hope to Jesus. And if there was ever a season in which the church needed to turn its hope to Jesus, it is now. We are so distracted by so many things. And so we are going to celebrate Advent and we are going to celebrate Christmas, but not in the naive repetition of the holiday or the custom or the tradition not for just another distraction, but with the plea to turn our hearts and our minds to the incarnation of the Son of God, to find our hope in him. And to do that, we're just gonna begin in a word of prayer. And I'm gonna ask Paul to come on up and lead us into that season, and as we pray, be reminded the entirety of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. They looked forward to a coming, a family that was promised to Abraham, an eternal king that is promised to David, a redeemer promised to enslaved Israel, the cursed descendants of Adam looked and longed for a coming savior. And as the church, this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we celebrate Advent, that we might turn our hearts and our minds to the coming of our Savior and Lord Jesus. Paul, would you come and lead us in a time of prayer?